Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Before you're seated, before you're seated, why don't you just tell somebody close to you, I am prepared and ready. Put it in the chat if you're online. Let everyone know you are prepared and ready. And you might as well, for good measure, tell some. I did, hold on. You guys are so, we have been standing for a little bit. All right, but tell somebody on the other side too. Here comes the wind. Here comes the wind. Here comes the wind. All right, you can sit all the way down. The like faithful, faithful are like, I'm not sitting until I've been told to sit can be seated. We have done so much already, and God's done so much in us already. I don't intend to be up here long today, intend being a key word in that statement, but, but I just want to remind us as we come to this final message of our series, Windward, what it is that God has been speaking to us that we came into this year, that we've been spending the last 21 days time of prayer and fasting together on this word that God said, here comes the wind. And if there is a wind of God coming, what it means is that we want to live our lives prepared and ready for what he is about to do. We want to be prepared for everything that he is getting ready to pour out on us in our individual lives and for us as a church family. We want to be prepared and ready to go after it with everything. If you wait until the wave has come to get prepared on a surfboard, you are already too far behind and the wave will overtake you and you'll be worse off than you would have been when you started. But if you can see it coming and you can prepare yourself. You are positioned to ride that thing into what God has for you. And I believe that's what God is speaking to us, that there is a wave coming, that there is a wind coming, and that this is our moment to make sure that we are prepared for just what he is ready to do. We don't want it to overtake us. We want to be able to catch that wind and ride it. So we stepped into this year and we said that in this year we are going to increase the number of baptisms that we have because we are looking down the line and saying it's going to take some more times for us to see everyone who is about to make their public proclamation that they are following Jesus. We're going to need some more times to do that. So we are increasing it because we are going after people. The first one, by the way, is on February 20th in just a couple weeks. If you know someone who needs to get signed up, make sure you help them get here for February 20th. It's why we said we need more life groups to help all of the people walk in healthy community, walk in resilient faith together. And we are going to increase the number of baptisms that we have. It's why we looked around and we said the infrastructure that we currently have is not set up for where we see God taking us down the line. And we've committed to uh, repaving the parking lot out front and replacing the screen. And in no, you guys, I announced that we need to replace the screen because it causes us issues. And I could not have planned this type of thing. It went all the way out last week. 
So I am not exaggerating when I tell you the screen is on its last leg and it does not position us well to communicate to the digital church that we are reaching every single week to reach into the 166 hours a week when we're not in this building together, but we are still the church. It's why we've already set our eyes and said there's so much more work to be done. We are going to double the financial investment that we make into local organizations and national organizations and other church plants that are happening. And we are going give to give $84,000 into these different groups this year. It's a double amount from what we did last year, giving $42,000 away. And it's why when we look down the line, we say, We need more times to come together. There's someone who's not part of what's happening right now because they can't get here. So before the end of this year, we are going to launch an additional service time to make sure that we are serving this city the best we possibly can. It is why we said we are preparing ourselves. We are readying ourselves because we can hear a wind coming. And if I hear it coming, I want to get myself ready. And as we step into this final day, I have two seasons of life that I want to speak to us about, about what we do in these two seasons of life. The first, I just want to refer to a portion of scripture that you've probably heard if you've been here for a little bit, but if you've joined over the last couple months, might be new to you. It's in Matthew 7. It starts in verse 24. You can turn there if you want, but I'm just going to talk through it. It's a parable of Jesus, and it's a parable that has come alive to me over the last couple of years. It's the parable of two houses. And one of the houses, it says, is built and the winds come and the storms come and the rain comes. And this person, the the representation, this person is a person who hears the word of God but doesn't do the word of God. And Jesus said, this is like a person who built their house on sand. And when the storms of life came that Phil talked to us about so well last year, the different, last year, last week, sometimes ever feel, every week ever feel like a year for you? You're like, woo. That was a while ago. Last week, Phil talked to us so well about the different types of storms that come in our life. And in this parable, Jesus says, there are people who build their lives on sand. And when the storms come, the house comes crashing and crumbling down because there was nothing there to hold them. And then this is the other person, it says, but the other person is like someone who built their house on a solid rock foundation. This is a person who heard the word and lived by the word. And then it says, and the storms came and the wind came and the rain came, but still it stood. And this, I want you to know, this is my life mission. This is what wakes me up in the morning. This is what gets me excited to preach. This is what gets me driven to go after all of the different things because your life is going to experience some storms. There's going to be some rain that comes after you and there's going to be some winds that come and there's going to be some storms that come. But my heart's 
passion for you, the thing that drives me is to see a church living their life on a solid rock foundation, on a solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ that says the storms come and the winds come and there might be some days that I don't like what's happening, but I have planted my feet. I have built my life on the rock. I have built my life on his word. I have built my life on his steadfastness. So whatever storm might come, I'll still be standing. Whatever storm might come, you'll still find me here. Come what may, I have decided to follow Jesus and I am going to be in this place. When I'm a hundred years old, you'll still find me following him. You can come if you want or you can go if you want, but I'm still following. I'm not lost by who comes into my life and who goes in my life. I'm not lost by who speaks well or who doesn't speak well of my life. I'm not lost by who keeps following and who doesn't follow. Every so often somebody falls off and I have to say, oh, it hurt to lose that one, but I will not lose my place. I will not unsteady myself. I will not be pulled to the right or the left because I have built my life on the rock. It drives me to make sure that you have a resilient faith, a faith that is built for storms. And if you are here, if you are here, if you have made it over the last couple years, if you are still standing, let me say to you, congratulations. We have been on a wild ride. And there were days where I felt like, is the wind allowed to come from two directions at the same time? This storm is getting crazy out here, but you have continued to stand and you have continued to be steadfast. You have continued to be faithful in your serving and faithful in your giving and faithful in your heart towards God. Congratulations to you. So my question today is not, can you stand when the storms come? You have proven that you can My question to you today is not, what will you do when life gets tough? For today, I want to ask us the question, what do you do in success? I know that you can stand in a storm. Can you stand in success? There's two different things that happen in these two different seasons of our life. One of them, I survive because I have to. My options are survive or crumble. The other one, when I succeed, all of a sudden I have some more on the line. I have more skin in the game. And I believe that God is getting ready to succeed you in a way that you have never seen before. So before you catch this wind, I want to ask the question, can you stand in success? And for this, we're going to look at the life of Daniel. Not just Daniel, we're going to look at the book of Daniel and him and his boys. I'm going to talk us through it for the sake of time. I felt like as well it was decent to owe homage to our dear friend Daniel since we have been uh, recognizing his fast. He's the one who gave us fruits and vegetables and whole grains as a method for fasting. Like, Daniel, couldn't you have been like ice cream and pizza? Yes. And like, sign me up. But I thought we should play some homage to Daniel as well today on our final day of prayer and fasting. And this is the thing. I think there are some principles from Daniel's story that we can pull out about just what it means to stand even in success. 
to stand when things are going well in our life, to stand when we see the thing that we've been praying for, because that's really the question. When you, when you get the promotion you've been praying for, can you stand in that place? Because now there's some questions, now there's some nervousness that I might lose it. You didn't care so much when you were the cashier. It was easy to tell people about Jesus because who cares if I lose this job, I'll find another cashier job somewhere. But now that I'm the manager, I've got a little bit more invested into the situation. And does it cause you to lean into God or does it cause you to lean away from God? When the spouse that you've been praying for arrives, is it going to double the ministry that you do for God or is it going to shrink the work that you do for God? When you get your acceptance letter to your first choice school that you've been praying for and had your eyes on, when God sends you into that space, can you still stand when you're there? That's what happens with Daniel. Daniel is in this weird situation. He and his people have been taken from the land that they used to live in. They were in this land of Jerusalem, the land of Israel, of the land that God had given them. And they are taken captive by the Babylonians and removed from the place that they knew, removed from the place of comfortability, removed from the place of familiarity, and taken into a whole new place. And this really isn't one of my main points today, but I do want to say to us that we have found ourselves in a whole new place. We look around and we go, this is not what I thought that it was. All of the pieces have moved on me and all of the things have shifted on me and I'm not quite sure how to play the game anymore because I was brought up to play it in a different way but all of the pieces have moved and the world that I'm living in has changed dramatically in a very short period of time. David woke up in one land and then was in another land and when he found himself in an uncomfortable place it was just that place that God had designed him to succeed in. And I think that's part of what God is speaking to us today, that yes, we find ourselves in new territory. Yes, we find ourselves in uncharted spaces, but God has designed us for this space. God has brought us to this place and this time on purpose. When he looked at the arc of time and he said, there's gonna be a dramatic shift in what's happening at this time, he said, I'm gonna send this church into that space in that time because they're gonna know how to succeed in that space. And Daniel succeeds in the new place. He gets picked to be a part basically of like the king's council. He's part of the inner circle, the group of people that are brought into the king, that are brought in to be those who come in and, and minister before the king and give him wisdom and serve him. He is part of the favored guys, Daniel and his three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who you potentially have also heard of. And the four of them come in. And when they come in, they begin to speak to them and they say, hey, we, we want everyone in this group to eat this specific diet. It's from the king's table. It's really good. It's gonna be awesome. Da, da, da. And Daniel and his three friends say, we're not gonna eat that. We're gonna eat a different kind of diet. We're gonna eat fruits, we're gonna eat vegetables, we're gonna eat whole grains, we're not gonna have any of the choice meat, we're not gonna have any of the wines, we don't want the food from the king's table. We want a different kind of food. 
And then it says when they come back, so the, the guy who's over them allows them to do that, gives them some time to evaluate it. And when he comes back to them to assess them, he says to them that they are far and exceedingly above everybody else that was in the group, that they are fitter, that they are wiser, that they have risen to the top of the class despite not eating the choice food from the king's table. And what it speaks to me about is that God is going to give us uncommon strategies for an uncommon time. It made sense that Daniel should eat the best food from the king's table. It's what everybody else said we should be doing right now. It's what everybody else said would get them to their desired end. It's what everyone else was doing at the time. But something in Daniel said, but I have a strategy that was downloaded straight from heaven. It's a different strategy than what I see around me. It's a different strategy than what I'm hearing everyone else take because Daniel understood something about what I consume and what it produces in my life life. And so Daniel had the audacity to say thanks, but no thanks on the leading strategy that you have to live, to give me. I have a strategy from heaven and we are going to go after a strategy from heaven. We don't just want to look at what everyone else is doing. We don't just want to look at what worked in previous seasons for other groups. We want to look after and run after what is it that God is calling us to in this season. Who do we need to be to reach this generation? Who do we need to be to ensure that we can say at the end of our race that we have passed the baton to another generation that is already rising up? We want strategies that come straight from heaven. And then there's this other story. It's really wild. So this is Daniel and his boys have really excelled and the king has placed them in different areas of authority and different areas of responsibility all around the kingdom. And now that they're in these different areas of responsibility and these different places of authority, the king comes and he does this wild thing where he builds this statue and he says, every time the horn blows, I want everyone to stop what they're doing and bow down to my statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, nah, we're not going to do that, right? And so the king gets really upset, and he reiterates to them, anyone who does not bow down to this, if you've grown up in church, you've maybe heard this story, anyone who doesn't bow down to this statue is going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And with all the strength that they can muster, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego putting it all on the line. Remember, they are not just peasants in the kingdom. They have been given territories of authority and positions. They have something to lose now. It would be easier for them to say, you know what, my life is really comfortable and make the types of excuses that we make. Well, if I just pass on this one, then I'm able to still have some influence in this area. But if I hold the line on this, I might lose my area of influence so I really can't stand up publicly for that thing no Shadrach Meshach and Abednego plant their feet throw their shoulders back and say we will never bow to a statue of the king we can only bow before the Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had some guts about the way that they lived their life and in this time in this season in this moment God needs some people and a church that have some guts about the way that they live out 
about their faith, some guts about the way that they stand up for the things of God, some guts that say, I don't know what everyone else is doing, but I can't bow to the peer pressure of what everyone else is doing. I don't know what's happening all around me. I don't know what I might gain or what I might lose from this, but I know what God has spoken to me. And he needs a gutsy church that's willing to stand up in the midst of it and say, I have to stand up for the things of God. I have to stand up for his truth. I have to stand up for his righteousness. I have to stand up for his holiness. I have to stand up for his love. I have to stand up for it. And that's it, right? Okay, so the church always gets, we always get super excited about like, I'm gonna stand for holiness. You know what takes guts? It takes guts to stand up for the love of God. It takes guts to sit down at a table that somebody else might talk about you for sitting at that table about. It takes guts to go find somebody who has found themselves in the midst of a mess and go after them and say, you know what? The peer group might talk about me. They might tweet about me this weekend, but I need to be found finding the peer. It takes guts to go against the grain that says what's comfortable and what's normal. God needs a church that's gutsy enough to go after people with the love of God, the love of God that broke through heaven to come after you the love of Jesus that sat down at tables with tax collectors and sat down at tables with prostitutes and sat down at tables with zealots and said let them say what they will because when John came doing all the holiness stuff and not doing anything good they talked about him and when I came eating and drinking they talked about me so I might as well have enough guts to just stand up for what it is he spoke about me and let them say what they're gonna say we are gonna be a church that has the guts to stand up for the things of God, to love people with everything that we've got, to go after people with everything that we got, to find people in the highways and the byways and bring them in to the presence of God. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego planted their feet and stood up and guess what? They got thrown in that fire. Don't you wish the king was like, oh, never mind. I admire your conviction. But he threw them in that fire. They went all the way. And God saved them. God showed up with them in the midst of the fire. But when you go back and reread it in Daniel, I I think this part's in Daniel chapter three. I don't want you to miss it because before they go in the fire, they say, God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're going through anyway. Even if he doesn't, my guts my strength, my fortitude won't let me bow to something that's not of him. But when they come out, they get promoted. They come out of that fire. I want you to look at this, Daniel 3 and 30. Daniel 3 and 30, they come out of the fire and it says, and then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Might it be that the thing that you're afraid to stand up for because you're afraid you're going to lose the position that you already have is the thing that God has given you to stand up for because it's the platform for the promotion that he's trying to walk you into. 
And you're so full of living of fear, so timid of losing every little bit. And I don't want to, I know we have fought and we have worked and some of us have scratched our ways out of poverty and broken families to get the places and the things that we have. And so it feels so fragile, like I might lose it if I push too hard. But I want to say to you that it just might be that the, the, the family healing that you're seeing right now, that you're like, if I push too hard, it feels so tender that I might break the whole thing. It just might be that that difficult conversation that God is asking you to have is not the thing that's going to break it. It's the thing that he's going to use to step it into the next place of healing that he's going to use to promote you to the next level of healing and restoration in that family. They had guts to stand up for it and God promoted them because of it. I believe if we have guts to stand up for the things of God that he is going to promote us and then the famous tale of Daniel in the lion's den because Daniel had been promoted and because Daniel had favor he also now had a target and there were those who didn't like that Daniel was succeeding in the way that he was succeeding and they looked at Daniel's life and they couldn't find anything in his life that they could come after him with And because they couldn't find anything to come after him with because he was such a man of righteousness, they decided to create a plan to trap him. And they created this plan and convinced the king to sign a letter into decree that no one could pray to anyone besides the king. And those who were after Daniel knew that he had a rhythm of going and prayer that he had a consistent faithfulness of coming to a place of prayer and of connection with God. And so sure enough, I I know that if you haven't heard this, I encourage you to go back and read it. I know that many of you have, and I want to be conscious of our time. So they, sure enough, they trap him in that, right? And they send Daniel into the lion's den. And again, Daniel is saved. God sends an angel to save him. What I take from this is that Daniel had a rhythm in his life of connection with God. When you catch the wind of success, do not lose your connection with God. Over these last 21 days of prayer, I hope that you have found a fresh rhythm of connection with God. I'd encourage you, if you've been listening to the daily medi- uh, like guided prayer podcast, just go through that again every 21 days. Find a rhythm of connection with God because it's easy to do. It's easy to finally get to the place of the, when you were in the storm, you had to stay connected with God because you thought I might never make it out of this thing if God doesn't come and save me. But when you're in success, it feels like everything is fine. It feels like everything is great. It feels like I can skip a couple days and, and it's all right. Don't lose your connection with God. When you come to the place of success, don't lose that connection with who God is is because that's where he's going to speak to you that's where he's going to download to you those strategies that's where you find the fortitude to stand in gutsy faith for all of the things that he is walking you into for all of the places that he has to promote you and to expand you and if i could summarize the story of daniel and his friends in one word it would be integrity that daniel and his friends lived lives of integrity. 
integrity means to us really the the picture of it it comes from the same root word as integer and it means that there is wholeness that there is completeness that there is a a matching sense to what is seen in one space and in another space daniel wasn't one way with the king and another way with his boys he wasn't one way out in public and another way at home we are going to be a people we are going to be a church of integrity are you the same in public as you are in private are you the same on sunday as you are on wednesday are you the same in the storm as you are are in success. I ask you again, are you able to stand in success? Do you have the integrity for what it takes to stand in the place of success when the wind starts to blow in your way, when favor starts to come your way, when you're acknowledged with accolades and praise and raises? Are you the same person that you were in another season? Are you able to stand in the season of success in the way that you were able to stand in the season of a storm? And it's the question that I have for us as a church because I can hear the wind coming. And before we catch it, I want to ask you, can you stand in the success? Because who we are as a church is a church that will be integrous in every endeavor that we have. That we will go after the strategies that God has for us. That we will live with a gutsy faith and that we will maintain a connection, a rhythm of connecting, of living our lives rooted and established in the vine. Proverbs 10 says this. Proverbs 10, I think it's 9. Yes, great memory. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. If you want to walk steadfast, walk in integrity. Determined to live a life that is the same in every season. Determined to live a life like Daniel that says, I have already decided that my life is about running after the things of God. As a church, we have decided to walk steadfast in integrity with God. That we are the same in the two hours we meet on a Sunday as we are in the 166 other hours there are in a week. That we are the same in a service as we are in a life group and the same in a life group as we are at our desk and the same as our desk as we are at our family dinner tables. That we will live lives running after the things of God. So in storms or in success, we'll still stand. In storms or in success, we will find ourselves in him. In storms or in success, we have established a life that is built on the rock of who Jesus is. I'm gonna take you back to Matthew 7 and just zoom in on Matthew 7 and 25. 7 and 25 says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. Because it had been founded on the rock. 
as we prepare to give today and as we look ahead with our declaration offerings at all that we are expecting and seeing for God to do, I want to say to us that this is a church founded on the rock. We are founded on the solid rock of who Jesus is. We are founded on the solid rock of his everlasting word. The word that came out in the beginning and made all of creation is the same word that speaks to us today. It's the same word that blew and ignited the early church. And it's the same word that comes and speaks to us in this moment here and now. This is the same God that we are running after. This is the same foundation that we are building on. This is the same church that we are going after and so we just ask you God to breathe on what's happening here Jesus we say that this is your church Jesus we say do with us what you will Jesus we say move us where you need us to be form us who you need us to be in this season God don't let us run after old strategies let us hold to new strategies let us go after fresh things Father God because we have been founded on the rock That's what we are planning for. That's what we are prepared for. That's what we are ready for. That is why we know, we know we can survive a storm. And I know what we're getting ready to find out, that we can survive in success as well. That we can stand in the wind that God is getting ready to blow.